people that listen to these services across the world and that come here. And, and you know, I know we have a revolving. There's always people out on a given Sunday, but you're all part of the family. And uh, I think I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for my family that stood on this stage with me, but I'm also thankful for you. And I'm not only thankful for you, but God gives us the vision to look forward to the ones that are yet to come. And, and I, I, I'm thankful for them. I believe that it, it doesn't take faith to see um, to see a room as it sits. It takes faith to see the room that's coming. And uh, we're, we're, God is doing something on this planet. I, I'm going to be as quick as I can, but I make no promises. But I do promise this. If you'll give God a few minutes today, I think it'll be worth your time. Because of this reason. You know, we can study. We can go to school. We can learn. You can get online. You can Google. Google's the, the scholar of everything. Everybody's smart because we Google everything. And, and, you know, did anybody ever figure out how smart are the people that put the videos on Google? What if they're wrong? So... Uh, anyway, but you can you can you can learn how to do secret sensitive church or a church that grows, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's to attract everybody and be nice to everybody and love everybody, and we should love everybody. But the idea that if we make it as comfortable as we can, that the experience is better, then we'll get as many people here as we can. And if we get as many people here as we can, then maybe we'll get more tithes and offerings. If we get more tithes and offerings, then maybe I'll drive a nicer car. Of course, we don't take any money here, but. There is that mindset that we want to grow. And some of us not really about the money. Some of us about our ego because we're ego-driven people, right? Come on. I know the purpose-driven church is a big book, but probably ego-driven church is reality sometimes too. And I don't mean that to throw stones at anybody. I mean we all have to check our egos from time to time because we all look for that gratification yeah. as preachers. And so what I'm trying to do is what the Holy Spirit's been on my heart doing is to try to give you some truth today, some truth about who you are, where we are and what the task at hand is. And I think that truth, you know, is something you need to hear. Because, you know, I could just affirm you today. We've already had a great service. I could pat you on the tail say, aren't we thankful? Nothing wrong with that. There's a time for that. Wednesday night was about that. It was one of the most powerful services I've been about in a long time. But, you know, I'm really not here to affirm you today. I'm here to pour truth into you. Do you want truth this morning? Because truth changes you, right? I mean, everybody out there, all these or just want affirmation and affirmation is fine it has its purpose I guess you can go see a counselor for that but affirmation never changes you or me do you understand that if I affirm you you will stay exactly as you are and so if you're sitting here not happy and I affirm you you're going to stay not happy if you sit here not purpose living and I affirm you you're going to stay not purpose living if you're sitting here and you're just on top of the world on fire passionate for Jesus and you're changing the world every day and you're living according to your calling and purpose every single moment of the day then I will affirm you. But sometimes we have to get into the truth. But the question is, can we? do we really want the truth today? And so if you'll give me just a few minutes, I will give you the best I can through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. I'm going to read some Scripture. I, I'm not going to be talking as much as usual probably, but I'll be reading some Scripture about the truth. But now I need them to play a video real quick. They're going to dim the lights to video some of you may know. And there's a lot of pressure on them because if they go too long, it's going to say some wordy dirts. And I pray to God it doesn't. So right now, in Jesus' name, give their fingers power to stop this video. Because how many knows in movies they say wordy dirts sometimes? Alright, let's play this video.
This makes you nervous. Turn it up. You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? No, tell the truth. You can't handle the truth. Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago, and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know. That Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives. And my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. You use... We probably had about 10 more seconds, but we're going to stop there. We're not going to, we're not going to flirt too much with it, okay? I thank you guys for doing that up there. That's a lot of pressure. How many give it up for them? For them? I think they had two people up there, both, so they had a check system. But, you know, honestly, the, the whole point of that movie, how many remember that movie? It was called A Few Good Men. And the whole point of this thing is there's sometimes a, there's sometimes a difference in life at peace and life at war. There's certain rules that apply in life, life at peace. There's certain rules that apply in life at war. There's certain expectations that can occur in a time of peace versus a time of war. When you go on a vacation, you expect to recreate. You expect not to have a lot of stress. You expect to sit by the pool or you sit by the beach or you sit on a mountain. You, you spend time with God. You spend time with your family. You want to decompress. You want to de-stress. But how many knows you don't have that expectation of feeling in a time of war? Juwan has been in war and there's people in their our, our, our congregation that have been in war. And I can tell you this, you don't relax in war. There is a truth about war. There is a truth about living in that reality of understanding your war. And I'm here to tell you that many of us in this room or many of us in the faith or many of us across this world, part of our misery is we don't understand why life is not given us pina coladas and we're not sitting by the pool all day and we're not suntanning and we're not relaxing and we're not got a waiter or a waitress that just hand delivers us everything we want like and we're just upset all the time because that's not our reality. But sometimes we have to understand the reality is this. We are at war. We are living in a time of war. You are called in a time of war. And I know that God wants to give us peace with Him. But we war. And so I'm going to read some scriptures. I'm going to read in Ephesians 6, and I'm going to read probably more scriptures than usual. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I promise you with all my heart, the enemy does not want you to hear this word. So I'm going to challenge you if you're in this room or you're online. Lord, we got all kinds of people online today. Thank God for you. I thank God for you. And I don't even know what your motivation to being online is. And I still thank God for you. Welcome in the name of Jesus. Amen. I just welcome you. Ephesians 6. 
10. I'm going to start at verse 10. We always read Ephesians 6 and 12. Anybody want to tell me what Ephesians 6 12 says? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And we oftentimes use this quotation to be peaceful with each other. But that's really not what that whole scripture is about. The scripture is about war. It's about focusing what you're fighting against. But I want to read what you're fighting against. Ephesians 6 10. And those of you who are standing, thank you. But we're going to, you can keep standing. But we're going to read some scripture today. So you, you better have strong backs. <laughs> A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all the God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. But. Say but. But we are fighting. Here's what it says. But. Against evil rulers and authorities of an unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world. And against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of, God, piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in this time of evil. Then after the battle, you... He didn't say you wouldn't battle. After the battle, after you've been attacked, after the battle, you will be still standing firm. Stand your ground. Somebody needs to stand your ground. Putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes. Put on the peace that comes from the God good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop, stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in prayers for all believers everywhere. We'll stop right there. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So what the Word of God says, this is a clear writing that tells you that we are at war. Make no mistake, you are at war. Now it does tell us, let's not blame people. Let's not get into the little scurry like the, the devil does and the evil people do and get this gossip and we ain't about that. But understand this, you, your family, your community, your church, you are at war. And that's the truth. Can you handle the truth? The devil don't want you to know that. He wants you to be perpetually angry that you don't have enough pina coladas. That the pina colada mix ain't sweet enough. That the margarita mix ain't sweet enough. That you're not enjoying it as much. That I just don't seem to have everything I want. It's because we're in a time of war. War calls for sacrifice. We've been watching documentaries. There was a generation in this country that rationed what they ate. That rationed how much water they used. They rationed. The kids would take their tires off their bicycles. Wouldn't even ride bicycles to take to donate the rubber because we had a shortage of rubber. There was a generation they called the greatest generation that sacrificed. They dug deep because you know why? They knew they were at war. And the problem is the enemy doesn't want you to know you're at war. He wants you to think you're on the love boat, but you're on the battleship. And if you figure that out, 
you'll get purpose. Now, so number one, you're at war. Say war. War. The devil don't want you to know that truth. Can you handle the truth? <laughs> so I look at 1 Corinthians 12. So number one, you're at war. What else? 1 Corinthians 12, you know this. The human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews and some Gentiles, some slaves, some free. But we have all been baptized into one body by the Spirit and we all share the same Spirit. Yet the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, this does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, well, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just as He wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts of our body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem the weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that they shall not be seen. Whilst the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together. Such an extra honor of care given to those parts that have no less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members. So that all members care for each other. And if one part suffers, the whole part suffers. And if one part is honored, then all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you are part of it. So you got to get a hold of something. Number one, you're at war. But here's the problem. Too many of us, we want to be long wolves. We want to be Rambos. Because Rambo movies sell tickets. And everybody wants to be a Rambo. But the Word of God says this. You are at war, but you are never alone. You're never meant to be alone. The devil wants you alone. The devil wants you out by yourself. The devil wants to be the lion. The lion wants the weak antelope out by itself because that's the one he picks up. But the amazing thing about the Scripture, the Scripture says the whole New Testament outside the Gospel is in the creation of something called the body. The ecclesia. means we're all connected. And if you're not connected, you're not in the body because Jesus says, I'm coming for one. Right. Now, he's not counting 1830. I don't think there's 48 raptures for I'll come get Gerald over here because he can't get along with Stephen. I'll come get Stephen because we can't rapture them together. Lord knows they can't even be on the bus together. How are we going to rapture? Listen, if you're not part of the body, then you're going to miss so many things in there. I promise you. So you are at war, but you are not at war alone. And if you feel you're at war alone, then you need to make yourself part of the body and say, Jesus, grab me in by the blood of the Lamb. Because we are an army. So you're at war, but you're a part of the body of an army. You're not meant to function alone. You can't function alone. It's not biblical. Show me. Show me. It's not biblical. That's an excuse that you give yourself to excuse your existence. But I'm not here to affirm excuses. I'm here to tell the truth. Can you handle the truth? Do you want the truth? Yeah. Yeah. 
write down, look at it later. Endure suffering with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civil civilian life for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. There is a civilian life, there is a time of peace life, and there is a time of war. The problem is in history, God trusted this to Tom Rokal called the 40s the greatest generation. And I would say of Americans, no disrespect to our great heroes that are serving today. There's a lot of argument for that. But spiritually speaking, you and me are the greatest generation. Because we have been placed in a time in history when God's coming is, is urgently coming near. It's a time in history where you have been put with strategic importance. Amen. When you are born in this time, God said, I chose to put you in this time. Yeah. It's a powerful thing. Yeah. What a time. Yeah. What a time. What do you mean what a time? Because it's a time of war. Yeah. How about we read this? How about we read this? I want to read it in the NCV. I can read it in any translation, but I want to read it in the NCV. How about 2 Timothy 3? Remember this, in the last days there will be many problems, many troubles, because people will love themselves, they'll love money, they'll brag, and they'll be proud, they will say evil things against others, and they will not obey their parents, or be thankful for the kind, and be the kind of people that God wants, they will not love others, they will refuse to forgive, they will gossip, they will not control themselves, they will be cruel. They will hate what is good. They will turn against their friends. And they will do foolish things without thinking. They will be conceited with love pleasures instead of God. And will act as if they serve God, but will not have His power. Stay away from those But I thought secret sensitive church says we want them all to come. Well, we want them all to know Jesus. <laughs> we want them all to know Jesus. <laughs> but I don't want them all to thought so with me. <laughs> when the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, I want to follow you, Jesus says, well, Come on, I love everybody. You'll figure it out eventually. Let's keep you along until you figure it out. But you know what he said? He said, Cool. Sell everything. Show me where you stand. He couldn't do it. He didn't follow. So we live in a time of war. We got to be careful who you put yourself around. You want to be around. Listen, there's a famous medium long picture of lions that say, surround yourselves with like-minded people. Listen, whoever you surround yourself around, if they're a strong man of God, if they pray in your workplace, if they pray in your home place, if you see healings in your home place, if you see around some people who are like that. Yeah. 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 Because we're in a time of war. You, do you yeah. want that? 
You want the truth. Or you want to pretend everything's okay. She's okay. Let's be nice to everybody. We can grow. We can be like, mm, down the road. And I'm not saying mad about anything. I'm just saying we can catch them. I'm saying it's kind of like jealousy, right? We can be jealous of them. We can, we can outgrow them. We can try to outgrow them. We can be in competition with them. I remember when we first built this truth in church, this building. And I was talking to Jenny. And Jenny said, you know what? That's all good, I guess. But I'm not sure we shouldn't build a smaller church and be about 12 people and be special ops and go change the world. That's what she said. And I don't think she meant that there was anything wrong with the big church. What she was saying is, let's not lose the sight that we are at war. Let's not lose the truth when we build a big church. Let's not lose the truth when we try to fill seats. It doesn't matter if we can handle the truth. we got to be able to preach truth. The truth is you're at war. And so I look at then how do we war? And I'm going to be really as quick as I can. I'm going to talk about the greatest army. We've talked about them a lot. Dad and I talked about it. Dad mostly talked about it. I talked about the cocoon. We talked about David all the time. But I want to talk about the greatest army in ever, ever human history, I think. But here's the situation. That time was a great time, but that time is gone. We can learn and glean from that time. But the time you're in now is the greatest war. He didn't choose David's mighty men for the greatest war. He chose you. He chose you. And they had an important thing. But to usher in, to advance the kingdom in the greatest time of the advancement of darkness and wickedness on the earth, to be the ones that would be flag bearers, standard bearers, who would stand in the gap and not run. To be the ones who would see or usher in the second coming of the Lord Yeshua, Jesus Christ. He didn't choose David's mighty men. He didn't choose Joshua's mighty men. He didn't choose Moses to lead that army. He didn't choose John the Baptist to lead that army. He didn't choose Peter to lead that army. He chose you to lead that army. Can you handle the truth? So I read what I read with the butterfly. First uh, Samuel 22 1. So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of the Doom. And soon his brothers and all of his relatives joined him there. The others began coming in, for they were in trouble, were in debt, or were just discontented until David was the captain of about 400 men. This was the greatest army in human history. But it was assembled. The origin, the point of origin was desperation. Listen, I don't have, we don't have draft powers out there. We don't have a draft going on. I, you know, we try to draft. We run around and we try to witness to people. But understand, it is only the Holy Spirit that calls people. You can convey the Holy Spirit. You can do your part. But you've got to understand something. I'm not here to draft you into an army. But the Holy Spirit has positioned you in this place. He has called you into an army. You are called and not drafted. You are anointed and not drafted. But there is no draft. So how does an army assemble like this? Because there's a cave. We're desperate and discontented and reject people like me can assemble and try to cover our heads while this enemy throws fiery darts of the devil. While the enemy hurls and catapults 
a group of people assembled together. And in that assembly, in that sharing of pain, in that sharing of purpose, there is something called loyalty that will begin to develop as Holy Spirit starts to merge people together. And we shall be one. And that group of mighty men, 400 or so, became the basis for the greatest army that wasn't drafted. They weren't in the military school. They didn't have King Saul's armor. King Saul's armor never suited David too good. Pastor such and such armor never suited me too good. I was called to run fight my fight, but we were called together to fight together. Amen. So that was the origin. So who was this army? Who were these men? We talk about David's mighty men. There's a whole, you have to understand this. There's a whole army of Israel. And that's cool. But among that army, there were several hundred that were called David's mighty men. It was special ops. We used to talk about special ops a lot. Because I respect everybody in the military. Thank you for your service. Parents in the military, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your children's sacrifice. But there was a group of men that set themselves apart. I had a buddy. I've had plenty of buddies. I've had several buddies like that. One was a Navy SEAL. Two were Navy SEALs. They tell me about some of that stuff. Man, they set themselves apart. They didn't just, it didn't just, you know, wasn't like a gift. <laughs> They gave more. They gave more of themselves. They gave more loyalty. They gave more blood. They gave more sweat. And so, among all that military, David had a group of mighty warriors. And, and, and I'm just going just to read just a little bit of some of their exploits. In 1 Samuel 21, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to. Uh, first... Uh, Samuel 21, verse 15. Once again, this is real war, guys. We read these things and we think, well, that's cute fairy tales. No, this really happened. Once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel. This is when David was king. And when David and his men were in the thick of battle, David became weak and exhausted. Ishbi Benab, a descendant of the giants. There were other giants. Did you know that? His bronze spearhead. Do you know there's still giants? <laughs> that God, I'm surrounded by giant killers. That God, yeah. I'm Spearhead more than seven pounds, and he was armed with a new sword. He had cornered David and was about to kill him. He was about to kill David. Then we never know David. Then David wouldn't have passed on the monarchy to Jesus. It was prophesied. He had the most powerful thing in the world, not only to unite Israel in the Old Testament, that's great, but to create a monarchy that would never end. And yet, he was in a very close moment of having it all taken out. He was in the battle. Nobody said he was doing bad. He's a great fighter. But some, how many know when you fight giants and lions, sometimes you get a few scratches. It gets dangerous. We were talking about that. They said, you know, Jesus said that... Uh, you know, you're going to face persecution for my namesake, and we think that's just gossip. We face persecution. It might cost you money. It might cost you a house. It might cost... I don't know. I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying we need to understand we're at war, and that's the truth! And so, 
He had cornered David and he was about to kill him. It didn't say he might, he might. It says he was about to kill him. But Abishai, son of Zeruah, came to David's rescue and he killed the Philistine. Then David's man, men declared, you are not going out to battle with us again. Why risk nothing out the light of Israel? <laughs> After this, there was another battle against the Philistines at Gob as they fought. Simekai from Hushah killed Saph, another descendant of the giants. During another battle at Gob, Ethanon, son of Eir from Bethlehem, killed the brother of Goliath of Gath. The handle of his spear was the stick of his weaver's beam. In another battle with the Philistines at Gath, they encountered a huge man with six fingers on his hand and six toes on his feet, 24 in all, who was a descendant of the giants. But when he defied and taunted Israel, he was killed by Jonathan, the son of David's brother, Shemiah. These four Philistines were defendants of the giants of Gath. But David and his warriors killed him. These are bad dudes. They kill giants. This is real. They kill giants. But you know what? You and I are called together to kill giants. I want you to point, I want to point out something. This was an army. This was a group of men. They were together. They fought together. I just read all kinds of men doing stuff. They did stuff together. There's going to be days that I'm about to take a bullet or I'm about to take a sword that one of you are going to spring to action and you're going to save them. But there's going to be days that something one of them flips around. Maybe I'll take a sword out of your back. I don't know. But I'm here to say that this is a time of war and we are called together and you are mighty men of God. I promise you. And I'm getting there quick. Out of that few hundred men, there were, there were, there were other men. Uh, it, it narrows down. There were layers and layers of quality, you know, soldiery. And so, in, in, in 2 Samuel 23, we hear that in addition to David's mighty men, there's a second group, an even more elite group. It's kind of like Justice League of America or something. I don't know. I, I don't even watch that stuff, but I know. I remember what Justice League of America was. It was like the best of best, right? In the, in the hero world, I guess. Shazam! <laughs> You're awesome, man. I wish I had him just walking around the store, you know what I mean? I'd be a Walmart. I'd say something, something kind of cute to the, you know, something kind of clever to somebody, to the guy checking me out. And, bang! You know, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? I say something cute to my wife in the evening by the fire, and there you be. <laughs> You're awesome, thank you. You're part of the army. There were 30. So they're all you have this whole army. Then you have a few hundred that are special. And now you got 30 that have such loyalty to the king that David designates and separates them out. Well, I thought God loves us all. He does, but He calls us all differently and we all will be rewarded differently and punished differently according to the Scripture. That's Bible. But there were 30. And real quickly, I want to read 2 Samuel 23, verse 8. These were the dame... Verse 18. Verse 23. Oh, you, about, you got my back, don't you? 
Here it is, verse 18, sorry. Abishai, son of Zeruah, the brother of Joab, was the leader of the 30. He once used a spear to kill 300 enemy warriors in a single battle. It was such feats as these that he became as famous as the three. Abishai was the most famous of the 30, and he was their commander, though he was not one of the three. There was also Benaiah. The son of Johida, a valiant warrior from, warrior from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included kill, killing two champions of Moab. Another time on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and caught, killed it. Once armed only with a club, he killed an Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hands and killed him. Deeds like this made Benaiah as famous as the three. He was more honored than the other members of the thirty. Though he was not one of the three, and David made him captain of the bodyguard. So you got this great group of army. Then you got the mighty men. Then you got 30. And 30 included people like Abishai, Benaiah, the lion chaser. That dude killed lions. And then you get down to something called the three. The most elite. I mean, we, I got Benaiah tattooed on me. Oh my goodness, I don't believe in that. We don't get one. But I, I mean, I mean Benaiah is a big deal. Abishai preaches as much about loyalty as anybody in the Bible. It's a big deal. But they weren't even among the three. There were three who set themselves out with such loyalty and bravery. And that's what we were going to read in verse 8. These are the names of David's mightiest warriors. The first was Jeshobim, the Hathmanite, who was leader of the three. The three mightiest warriors among David's men. He once used a spear to kill 800 enemy warriors in a single battle. Next to rank among the three were Eleazar, son of Dodai, a descendant of Ahoah. Once Eleazar and David stood together against the Philistines when the entire Israel army had fled. He killed Philistines until his hand was too tired to lift the sword. And the Lord gave him a great victory that day. The rest of the army did not return. And they told him it was time to collect the plunder. Next in rank was Shema, son of a chief from Makkah Harar. My eyes are horrible. I got sweated, guys. One time the Philistines gathered at Lehi and attacked the Israelites in a field full of lentils. The Israel army fled. But Shema held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines. So the Lord brought a great victory. In life. There's going to be times that people will leave you. And, and, and that's not to beat nobody up. I mean, really, the Scripture doesn't beat them up. But they left. But they came back. It's amazing doing this thing, you know. Some people leave, they don't come back, but many do. And it's not just about a church necessarily. It could be even the faith. Many people leave the faith, come back. God is gracious, I believe that. But many times you're going to feel like people like Jesus left you alone. But those three, they never left Him alone. They never left their King alone. And when everybody else let them down, that elite group, in life, none of us are perfect. Michael Jordan missed more shots than anybody. But he believed everyone, but he wasn't afraid to take the shot, and he believed everyone he took would go in. Aspire to be the three. Aspire 
to be the one that when your race is over, that when we all get together, you know we're still living out the word. The word they're not gonna they're not gonna be another Bible on this earth. <laughs> but I believe we're gonna be talking about some stuff in eternity. <laughs> I believe the book's still being written. We, we just not get to read it on this side. That's what I believe. I Seems to make sense to me since Revelation hadn't happened yet. One of the three yes. <laughs> that me and like Shema says, my boy, that's my girl. When they get up there and they start telling stories of how you stood up for each other, how they just start doing a happy dance in heaven, how Shema, oh, how Abinadi starts running their aisles in the streets. Can you imagine? We shout over Benaya, but one day I believe Benaya will shout over you. scripture about these awesome warriors and I've told you even Jesus said there's never been a man on this earth as great as John the Baptist <laughs> but the least of those to come is greater than even he because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit I don't need a dove to land on my shoulder he was Establish this ain't the love over this ain't club med. Take your week vacation. I love them. And I'm trying to, Lord knows I'll sell my kidney if I have to to get another one. But I will tell you this rest and be ready to fight. The enemy don't want you to know that truth. He wants you to think it's all sunshine and roses and I'm supposed to be happy all the time. And somebody's supposed to pat my head all the time and make me feel good. But that's not the truth because it's bullets flying by your head. And somebody needs to help you get strong enough to fight the fight. What can we learn? Number one, quickly. Great warriors are fighters. Fighters fight. All these men I read about, from the mighty men to the 30, to the 3, they were giant killers. They were lion killers. They would fight. They were meant to fight, and they knew they were meant to fight. The reason a lion didn't have been a zoo is because a lion wasn't meant to be put in a cage. You're not meant to be in a cage. You're not meant to be in a circus. You're meant to be in a savannah. You are meant to fight. Your hands are fashioned for war. Your arms are hard for war. guys up here in the gym and I'm looking at them like, what are you doing fool? Put a shirt on, do it in your own bathroom. I don't want to see that. Get under some weight and push some weight, man. It's not meant for looks. <laughs> Ain't that right, Jake? We don't need to see that. Cover that up. 
120 pound body. Cover that up. I ate more turkey than you are, boy. But they surround themselves with fellow warriors. We once said you take the five people you spend the most time talking to, and you're probably the sum of their character. It's important. In war, I read the verse, I don't make this stuff up. God said avoid certain people. Because you're in a time of war. Not you hate people. You're not bad with people. But if I'm fighting a giant right here, his job is to watch my backside. I better know who's back there. I better know who's back there. I'll say this. Part of leadership is doing just that. In the last two years, 100% of the fights I've been involved in and probably 100% of the fights you've been involved in have been stepping into other people's swords. Where people are trying to take people out and we've put ourselves in the middle and said, that's not right. It's not going to happen. Now, what happened in those deals is then they turn on us because they don't like that. But that's reality. That's what I'm called to do. But if you read the scripture, it wasn't just King David that stepped into the line of sword. It was the warriors who surrounded him who stepped in and intercepted the sword. You were called to fight for your king. You were called to step in and take licks for your king, Jesus. You were called to step in and take licks for your leadership. You were called to step in and take licks for your family. You were called to, to take licks for your brothers and sisters in Christ. We are called together. We're, we just read it. We are one body. We are in this together. And we are called to defend each other to the Don't witness the people. I've heard all these girls and boys and they're teenagers. Well, I'm just going to date this guy. Well, is he a Christian? Is he going to church? No, but I'm going to eat wheel. She wheel. You know what happens? The other one don't. They both quit church, right? They both quit church. I just, you know, my. You know how it is. I'm just a long time friend. I can't even turn my back on. Don't turn your back on. You better not turn your back on. You get a knife in it. Don't I didn't say turn your back. But I said you need to start spending your time with fighters. Because fighters fight. Soldiers war. And winners win. Surround yourself. That's why I get more healthy when I bounce off other believers who fight like I fight. Why do you think that's so important? Unity is one thing. But it's also important because iron sharpens iron. And I don't need, I don't need, you know, God didn't give me a sister to affirm me. And she sure didn't get a brother. She got a brother. I got a sister who will get in my face. And thank God that I got a sister who will get in my face. 
yourself with fibers. Number two, Shema. Shema! Not Shazam, Shema. He stayed in his pee patch, right? He stayed in his field full of his edamame. See, some of you foodies are like shaking your head. Some of you guys, he's speaking in tongues. Where's the interpretation? No, it's edamame, soybeans, and good. He stood in his pea patch. And when everybody fled, he stood strong. When the others run, he stood strong. If you want to be one of the three, be a Shema. You stand till you can't stand no more. <laughs> Number three, be persistent. Eleazar, he swung the sword so much, he fought so long. In one translation, his hand was his hand was stuck to it. I guess from blood, uh, and he probably had so many blisters. I mean, Lord, I've got sensitive feet. My wife will tell you, I go to somewhere like a beach, and my feet are tore up for a month. Because I, I just I'm sensitive, but I don't think. But his his blisters probably stuck up. He fought so hard that his skin was grafted in blood and blister and sweat to his sword, so that it couldn't even be pried from his hand. Let me tell you, have that kind of persistence to your faith. If you want to win, they better not be able to pull your sword off. Because if the devil can pull your sword off, he will. He will. He will. If you want to persist and win, you better be such that when the devil comes whispering and wants to make you popular, I'm just so popular. When the devil wants to whisper things in your ears to pry your hand off your sword, that it won't even come off because you fought so violently. So be persistent. Number four, I've only got a few more. Be a finisher. Benaiah wasn't satisfied to chase off a lion. He checked, He wasn't satisfied just to scare it off. We go through stressful times in our life and we just want it to pass on. That's natural. That's normal. That's a lion. When a lion intercepts your life on a bad day, you just want to shoot lion. Shoot lion. Shoot. Don't bother me. Shoot lion. Shoot. Well, that don't, I don't know if I'm going to Something like that. Shoot lion. Shoot. You want to scare it away so you can walk home down the road. But finishers aren't satisfied with keeping scaring the same old line away and fighting over and over and over every time they pass. Because next time you pass by that way, you're going to have to run to that rascal again. Finishers chase the thing into the pit. And they take it out. It's not even politically correct to make this sign. But that's because there's a lot of people out in this world that can't handle the truth. And the truth is we're at war. And the truth is your actions have consequences. And the truth is your actions get people hurt. The truth is my actions get people killed. The truth is my actions affect children. The truth is my actions affect people. And so do yours. And the devil don't want you to know that. All he wants you to know is I like a pina colada. Dancing in the rain. <laughs> but you're at war, and that's yeah. the truth. Yeah. Number five, you need to have a heart aligned with your king, your father, 
your leadership, your church, your community, and your soldiers. Yes. You've got to have a heart aligned. Because if you don't have a heart aligned, eventually it will tell on you. If you're fighting out of obligation, if you're fighting out of pride, if you're fighting out of motivation, if you're fighting out of anything else but a heart aligned for your king, yes. you will eventually get somebody hurt. And probably yourself, if not other people. It's about your heart. God can train your hands. He can train them. But you gotta learn, you gotta pray daily to align my heart. People you roll with, you need to pray. Don't go looking for a church. I, I, I think that's what people, most people do. They go looking for a church that preaches and believes like I do. Well, why don't you go looking for a church and say, God, put me in the church that I'm where I'm supposed to believe in things like this. God might need to change our people. open-minded the Holy Spirit as long as it's consistent with the Word of God yes. and, and real. Amen. That God, you, you may need to be stretched. Yes. You know, we say it's not worth it. That's what I crack up, you know. It's like, why do I want to go to personal trainer and ain't as strong as I am? <laughs> why do I want to go counseling? It's crazy. Why do I want to go to a doctor? You know, I went to an allergist one time. I'm not going to say names. And I went to this allergist. I don't have allergies now, but anyway, I went to this allergist and he came around. What can I do for you? I was like, dude, I don't want to take whatever you're taking. I just don't want it. Because that dude was worse than I was. I mean, come on, right? God may want to take you someplace and stretch you and grow you, and it may be different than what you're used to. And it will definitely be uncomfortable than what you're used to. If it's of God, it will be uncomfortable. Because if it's comfortable, it is wasting away again. It's the bubbles. But that's not the truth. Because while you're pretending everything's rosy and you wonder why you're not happy and you wonder why you're popping pills just to get up in the morning. There's people out there fighting for the kingdom, for the advancement of the kingdom. And you're supposed to be in that army with them and you're called with them. You are positioned in history to be a world changer, to be a kingdom advancer, to be one that... Throughout, takes the gospel throughout the world and baptizes and makes disciples of men to be one that cleanses the lepers and heals the sick and, sick and casts out demons to do greater things than even Jesus did. That is what you were called to be in an army that does those things. And that's where we miss it. I think we read those stories and we want to cowboy and go out and there's nothing wrong with that in a way. But you've got to be part of the team or body. Missing a toe. She's missing a toe. 
Last point. And you can do a million of these. I mean, I don't even have time. And I, if I had more time, I'd do it. But we could do a study. But I'm going to talk about loyalty. Abishai. Be an Abishai. Yes. Fight for each other. Yes. And understand this. Because we are a body, you read the scripture. When he hurts, I hurt. And if he hurts and I don't hurt, then I need to be convicted and I need to come to an altar. Something demonic, and I know it's demonic, and many of you have had kids probably do it, and so I don't mean they're demons. Give me, don't get me wrong. But we can be oppressed. Our children can be oppressed. And there's something in this culture where kids cut themselves, and I'm not making fun of them. It hurt. But if you look biblically, the gathering, it's demonic oppression. They're not possessed. They're not. You don't have to go, you know, exercise them. Though I'm not saying you might not at some point. But they are oppressed. And so they cut themselves. And we all see that. But we've got to understand that when the body cuts itself, it's always demonic. By definition, you're spiritually cutting. We'd be there for each other. And even if I don't even like, say you don't even, say you don't even like toes. I don't know if Josh likes toes. <laughs> but say you don't like ears, toes, noses. So important to your functioning. You better love your toes. If you don't believe it, NBA players and NFL players, they all get pedicures. You know why they get an ungrown toenail? They're missing time. And I know a lot of those manly guys think that's, oh, I would never do what they do. Because they know the value of their toe. Know the value of your body. I promise you, I value the people in this room. I don't hate any of you. I want to see you function. I don't know if I want to crawl in a foxhole yet with all of you, but I, but I believe God can make that happen. I believe God can make that happen if you're about it. He is about it. But it'll never happen as long as I'm patting you on the head. You've got to be able to hear the truth. You've got to be able to process the truth that if you're here every Sunday to get your get feeling good, go home and say, boy, I feel good today. Then please I hope she'll be, or, or, or they'll be, or he'll be, or will, or somebody will be, get in my face and say, what happened to the truth? That's right. Oh, come on. That's right. What, what happened to black ops? Come on. What happened to that? Can we handle the truth? We're finished with the Bible. I want to say this in closing. I know it's been a little long. Blame that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's Holy Spirit. You're right. No, no, no. I've already been thinking about it. No, no. That's the devil, and I rebuke that in Jesus' name. You know what it is? It's that us pastors are trying to keep you all club mad. We're just worried to take too long that you'll be off to the shuffleboard. Maybe I need to say, well, maybe you need to sit a little bit longer and hear some truth. <laughs> We're done almost. 
I was telling you, we, I watch a lot of history, and for whatever reason, I just, I love Ron Carpenter and T.T. Jakes, but I just don't listen to anybody. I listen to Dad when he preaches, and I would listen to Ron Carpenter. I just, I just right now in season, I'm not. I have, I used to listen to David Thompson and everything he put out like three times. I was, you know, there's, there's a time for that, there's a season for that, but right now, I just don't listen to any preaching. I, I read the Bible and I pray, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's not holier or unholier. But, God speaks to me through weird things. And so we were watching a documentary on different decades. We watched one of the 40s. And uh, I started about D-Day. 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 June 6, 1944. And it's when a group of soldiers were called upon. Selena. Well, maybe I'm, uh, you know, I've got so much in my head. Wasn't your grandfather at Normandy? There's a place called Normandy, a place in France. If you know the story, Nazi Germany had already overtaken France. And so we had to, you know, there's a time to shoot. We've been shooting, we've been softening up, we've been bombing them with everything we got. But there's a time, and that's where you are right now. We've been dropping bombs. She dropped up. No, I'm not going to do that. I've been singing today. Is that all right? I've been singing. You know what? I got the joy of the Lord in my heart. songs and because when you hear that song again you're going to think about that crazy preacher you're going to think about reminding the fact that you're called to be a soldier and so there came a time that's where we are today listen to this I believe this all my heart but we've been softening ground for a while but there's a time you actually have to hit the beach and take the territory They've been softening, but now they've got to send all their boats on this beach. Now, there's a problem. There's a problem. The beach has a hill in front of it. I know when you go to Myrtle Beach, it's all fake sand. It's not even real. But if you go to start, you know, real beaches, a lot of times there's hills in front of the beach. And it is fake. It's not, you, they truck in sand. Did you know that? It's not real sand. It's, I mean, it's real sand, but it's not from Myrtle Beach. They bring it in in trucks. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. Again, because it's they like a pina colada. So back, 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 back. Don't lose thought. Don't lose thought. So these men have to jump, have to pull up on a boat, step out on a beach, and there's tens of thousands in the hills of barricaded metal plates with machine guns sticking out. Statistically. Your first wave has about a .0001 chance of living. Statistically, they've done prop stats on this. Anybody that got there at best, the last wave, had about a 25% chance of, of living. That is what they were called to do. And they went anyway. Knowing that I'm going to take one foot of land. And if I take one or I take ten or I take twenty, I will take every step I can. And if they, if I go down, there's another guy behind me. Now he can take ten more. And wave on wave on wave on wave. 
impossible beach. And when they took that beach, the war changed because we took the land and we won that war. Now, and if you've seen the first scene of Private Ryan, I started to play it. I'm not going to play it. I don't have it up there. The reason I didn't play it is because it's very violent and very hard and some people might have trouble with it. No cursing or anything, but it's... When they open that door of those boats, whatever you call those metal amphibious boats, when they open the door and they're exposed in that movie, the whole first line is just dead before they can hit the water. They're just, a door opens, it's... But they did it anyway. Because they believed that they were part of something bigger than they were. In that battle, one battle, one battle, 210,000 allied casualties. That's not counting the bad guy, 400 some thousand in total. Alone, 37,000 Americans killed on one day. At one battle. We don't have, we can't handle that kind of truth. War is hell. And you say, I'm going through hell, I believe you. Because war is hell. And I'm not here to try to make convince you that this is Club Med because when you get home and it don't mad up and you're miserable, you can't look at me and say, well, that preacher said everything's going to be all right. It is going to be all right. But you have to understand you are at war, but you were purposed for this. And you were not alone. Connect yourself into the body. Be a part of this awesome team or whatever awesome team God plants you in if you're out there listening in wherever you're listening from. And I can call out a few. But wherever you're from, plug yourself into an awesome body. Love each other. Fight for each other. Win the lost. Cleanse the leper. Heal the sick. Jesus himself said, no greater love is one that lays down his life for his friends. That day, those men laid down their life for their friends, brothers, cohorts, their wives at home, their children at home, generations yes. to come. While you and I, while little kids, dad, wasn't, dad, dad was a boomer. He was born a few years after that. But he was born because somebody took a bullet for you. Well, I get out on a boat, deep sea fish, there's somebody on a wall. Going places I don't even allow to talk about, or they're not even allowed to talk about, and that's the truth. And some people can't handle that truth. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Joan, I appreciate that. But man, woman, soldier of God, I appreciate you because Jesus said that's real love. And so when I think of Omaha, Celine, you can. I think of Normandy. I think of that Pat Green song. I don't know who he is. I just know the song. Wave on waves. Waves of love hit that beach that day. It didn't look like love. They weren't smooching on each other. Well, like, oh, never mind. <laughs> they can't handle the truth. <laughs> but they were demonstrating the greatest love. Wave of love. After a wave of love hit that beach that day. If you've ever stood in the water and watched. That is what we are called to do and be. Waves of love hitting the shore. 
you were called to be a part of this. So there is a time of war and you're in it. But the good news is you're not alone. God is with us. And He's called us to be together. And those that will be about it, God will use you to change the world. And one day, Benaiah and David will shout over the exploits of what goes on on this rock. Yes. I believe on this hill. I believe in this town. But not just yes. on this hill in this town. It places all over this world. Yes. Wave. <laughs> on wave. I just like when I was a kid, maybe the ocean just leave the door cracked on the, on the uh, balcony, whatever you call it. And just sleep and listen. <laughs> wave. On wave. I finished with this. Next week we've got coming up a day that will live in infamy. Pearl Harbor. A day when an army sucker punched America. In fact, they just sent their ambassador to act like they were to make peace with us and they were going to be on our side. And the ambassador hadn't even landed back in Japan when they sucker punched them. And that, you know, Japan thought for the the enemy, well, that which the enemy means for your heart, the Lord, the Lord will use for his glory. The, the, the enemy thought, boy, I've suckered them now, I've killed them now. But the Americans did something. They bonded together. What God is calling this ministry to be about from every single person in this room, if you want to be about it, is to be about a work called unity. It's going to require more though. It's going to, I'm just being honest, that's the truth. Can you handle it? Do you want the truth? It's going to require more than you being given and I being given. Let's be real. I'm not saying you got to be here more. That's totally between you and God. I'm saying we've got to give more of ourselves. We got to be involved more with each other. We got to beat each other's backs more. We got to be not just each other, but leadership, and not just leadership. But how about Jesus Christ first of all, our King? We all got to be aligned. God is calling this this church to unity. He's not here to pick people out and pick them apart. He's here to bring people in and build them up together. Build us up together. But what happened was a crazy thing that happened on Pearl Harbor. They thought they decimated our Pacific fleet. They did. And they thought it would cripple America. And it would, we would lose against Japan and we wouldn't be able to intervene in Europe. And so the Nazis could win there too. But the problem was it made us mad. Not, not mad like... I hate you. Kind of mad like you're flipping over tables in a temple, man. Yes. Kind of like uh, Jesus, man. Righteous yes. indignation. How about the fact... And what we did is we started sacrificing for each other. You know when the greatest time of unity in my life has ever been? 9-11. America came together. Churches came together. They prayed. You know when church unified when somebody gets cancer diagnosis? But then time goes and that little floozy. We've been called to be unified. And so what happened was America got together again. Kind of like that Lee Greenwood song. And they got strong. And they did what was considered possible. They won two world wars at once. We're not the biggest country, guys. We're not even top ten, I don't think. Are we, Josh? We're not even top ten, are we? 
in population. We're not the biggest country. But we won two world wars and we did it because we were together and resolved. And just as a nation has to be together to win a war, the body of Christ has to be together. And this ministry has to be together to win drug addiction. And to win your souls and your children. And, 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 and to win these schools back. And to make it so that you can go into your workplace and shout the gospel. Well, I don't think that's appropriate. Then you need a new workplace. Because I'm here to tell you that you either are for God or you're not for God. Wherever you may put your foot. And so what happened is we started kicking booty. And the Japanese Prime Minister quote attributed him. Some people discredited it. I don't know if it's true or not. I believe it. I just tend to believe the good stories. I'm crazy. I just think history is important. I know people don't want to hear history no more. And I think there is some bad things out there, but sometimes we need to know about the bad things so we can avoid them. But anyway, it's another story. The Japanese minister was quoted as saying, I fear that we've awoken a sleeping lion. Some of you been club made it. Maybe I've been club made it. I have actually club made it. Not club made it, but I've vacationed. <laughs> Some of us are staying in one. Or we're wanting to be. And we're mad when it ain't working. But maybe that bomb that the enemy used to take, try to take you out. Maybe that depression, family issue, job issue, layoff, financial ruin, losing your house, all these things that are real problems. Maybe that'll be the one thing that wakes us up to the point that our lives can change forever. Maybe. Maybe. Are you crazy enough to believe that? Are you crazy enough to believe that? That maybe the devil tried to take you out, but maybe he awoke a sleeping lion. And you know what's more dangerous than a lion? A pack of lions. You know what my biggest nightmare is? It's not one lion, it's a hundred. It's five hundred. It's six hundred. I believe that God has assembled a desperate group of lions. Heads up. All that stuff. You know what I mean. You go to church most of you. 
closed, heads open. Hands can bow if you like. But keep your mind open, but more importantly, keep your heart open. I believe with all my heart that God has wanted me to give a message to remind us that what we knew a long time ago, we knew in that old church. We knew behind campfires. You know why we stayed up till 4 o'clock in the campfire? Because we were scared because we were warm. <laughs> we weren't scared like Ryan was scared. We thought we're, like, we're desperate. But you drink a lot of pina coladas, you lose your desperation. <laughs> and I believe God is trying to wake up a deposit of truth and wake up an army. And I believe that army's in here this morning. I don't believe you're chumps. I believe we've all made mistakes. I believe we all fail and come short of the world. I believe we all are sins saved by grace. I believe we all are imperfect vessels. But I believe we got some more to give and I believe we serve a graceful God, a gracious God, a merciful God, a powerful God. And I believe His desire is to unify us and deposit the fire of the Spirit inside you. I believe we've been called to work together to end the stranglehold of the enemy on these streets. To end addiction, to end uh, uh, depression and, 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 and violence and marital, uh, to, to take over the streets, to take over the marketplaces. We sat back long enough and just said it's somebody else's fight. Your fight's my fight. Your fight's my fight. Your fight's my fight. I hope my fight is yours. If God has spoken to you and told you to wake up, if He spoke to you and said, it's time that we step forward and fight against the enemy, that we took and took and took, and it's time we step up and we fight and we win. If you, if God has deposited that in your spirit today, with nobody looking, would you raise your hand with me? And say, God has told me that that's for me. That it's time I step up. It's time I step to the front. I want to be a part of something bigger and I want to win in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I see your hands all over. Hallelujah. You are here for a reason. You are here for a reason. I'm going to count to three. And if you want to come forward, you can. If you don't, you pray where you are. I'm not here to judge you for that. But God is ready to change this environment. God is ready to change your life. God is ready to wake us up. God is ready for us to win together and to realize that we're more connected than we've ever been. So when I count to three, if God is calling you forward, if God is calling you into war, when they were singing that song earlier and said, send me God, send me, I hear war drums calling. If He's calling you, if you hear the war drums, then I'm asking you to step forward and commit and pray right now, God. God, give me more of you and more unity and more passion. Lord, let me be involved, Lord. Let me be closer to my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. Give me a heart of war and give me a heart after yours in Jesus' name. One, when I get to three, you move if you want to come. Two, 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 two. Hands back up. Nobody's looking. If you had your hand up, don't quit. Three, if you want to come, come on. If you want to come, come on. If you want to come, come on. If you want to come, if you don't, that's okay too. That's okay too. God is calling us together to be more about each other. And you can just begin to pray wherever you are. If you're online, just pray. Just pray, say, God, I want to be part of this army. I want to be a part. 
that give the truth today. And Lord, I don't know if sometimes we don't like hearing the truth. I don't like hearing the truth. But Lord, let us receive the truth. Let us receive it in Jesus' name. And Lord, let it change us. Let it transform us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. If you all could go ahead and worship. Just worship in the room if you're not praying.